All right, so I'm going to start off with a prayer um, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. As we Celebrate with a feast, 
because this son of mine was dead and he has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has, asked him, he has gotten him back safe and sound. He became angry. And when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you have never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, my son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again, and he was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hence the prodigal son. Phil, why don't you start us off? What do you think? <laughs> I think this is one of the most uh, moving, incredible Gospels um, in, in my own personal experience. Absolutely. And I think that, um, uh, it, you know, I, I, I really follow uh, Sister Faustina and the, uh, you know, um, and I, I mean, how can you reconcile um, without mercy and um and i this is what i'm thinking okay um when i read this first of all how how incredible this must have been in the moment in the context in jewish society that really uh looked upon uh sin as a corruption and not to be dealt with not to have any mercy with and Jesus is challenging them on a lot of levels. Um, one was certainly the, the uh, diversion of the, uh, the shepherds. They, I mean, people would have known that. Um, you know, the, uh, how important that, that sheep was and what imagery of, of leaving 99 behind in the desert to find one who was lost risking the chance of losing maybe 99 to go find the one. Then there's the one about the coin, which was really kind of interesting because now he's, he's giving the importance of, uh, yeah, I'm going I'm to say, the, the, a resource that this woman desperately needed. And so the sense I had is even like the pursuit of uh, this coin, was worthy of using as an imagery of, um, of of something lost to be redeemed, and then talking about the prodigal son again. Certainly, he was corrupt, corrupted both in his morals, but even the fact that he had to take care of pigs. Can you imagine that in Jewish society? The guy goes into a swine herd, and he wants to eat what the pigs are eating. 
anyway, having said that, at least the takeaway for me is that uh, in order for us as, as, as uh, walking in this world full of uh, temptations and uh, corruption, how important it is, uh, how mercy is important, and how do you reconcile so many people not having lost their way to bring them back, to give them the message that uh, mercy is always available to them? And also the takeaway here is that Jesus said, and I think a couple of gospels ago, uh, it was about entering heaven through the narrow gate and striving to enter through the narrow gate. And my, my, my reflection upon that and my comment on that is that even though you're a sinner, you are, you know, you have to persevere. You have to get up confess, and move forward. Fall down, get up, confess, move on. Mercy is always available to you with, um, with confession and repentance. Having said that, I think this is a uh, really should be an encouraging message to all those that have fallen away to come back to Christ. And Christ is always welcoming that. And I think our churches are not doing a good job with that. Um, to welcome them back. Uh, I know that uh, Tom and uh, Keith were talking about uh, that you guys, some of you guys might have visited Nativity in Maryland, and uh, what a welcoming environment it is uh, there. Uh, but having said that, I think we can do a better job of welcoming sinners back to the church and welcoming back sinners to let them know that Christ is always available, not to despair, not to become despondent. Um, you know, that that bond of mercy is always available. So just some of my uh, impressions. But anyway, I, I find this very uh, encouraging, um, uh, just a wonderful gift that Christ is giving us, uh, a message that he's giving us that... Um, the world is going to eat us up, um, but he's always there. So, anyway. Uh, I guess, uh, how about Robert? Did you have any uh, initial thoughts on the readings? I do, I do. Uh, I'm doing something a second. Uh, somebody else, go ahead. I okay. certainly concur with what Phil said. Uh, I, I was listening right here, but I'll be right back. All right. Um, I was going to say that uh, my uh, some of the things that I was thinking about was um uh first thing i i thought about was that in each of the parables it's kind of like uh i think the core of the message is that you know that god empties himself out you know in love for other people and so like kind of starts out with the pharisees and the scribes you know being like this guy eats with sinners and tax collectors like from a selfish perspective why would you why why would you do that? It's it's you know messes up your your I don't know or like, but God doesn't think about like he doesn't care about his reputation and stuff. He is who he is, you know, and and, and what he cares about is everyone else, and and uh, and that is different than like you know the worldly human way. The humans you know would look out for themselves or they would or they would you know, um, in all those like 
of what a human would do in each of those three parables. A human you know, uh, would not act, actually look for the sheep uh, because, you know, and the self-interest would be like, why, why would I risk everything for one sheep? You know, I got to hold on to what I got is what like the humans think. But, uh, but God, you know, is like, you know, all about giving everything he has. So, so then, um, as it progresses to the, the prodigal son one, I was also thinking that, um, so the first two kind of set up the third one, the first two parables, because I feel like they focus on, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, that it, it's really about God, uh, God's love is the focus of the first two parables. The third one with the prodigal son is more complex complex one similar to like you know what our relationship with God is and then the older brother is like what the Pharisees and the scribes were like and so if you had just heard the prodigal son parable like if Jesus answered the Pharisees concerned with just the prodigal son parable it would overlook the point of it a little bit more because the point of it is you know the father's love uh, not that you know the Pharisees are like the older brother which they kind of are but still uh and even in the parable, the father you know, tries to explain to the older son that it's like you know, something against the fact that I, you know, I willingly you know, give everything I have to my children. Um, so th those are my initial thoughts. Robert, are you set up now? Yeah, I'm back to my chair. All yeah. right, well, we like you again because I'll, I'll just really quickly say that the two parts to this, the one coin, the one sheet, it reminds me of what Tom Burke says about all the starfish on the beach. And the guy takes one starfish and throws it back in. And they said, well, what difference? But it made a difference to that one starfish as it made a difference to find that one sheep or that one lost coin. So that's for the first half. And then the second half about the prodigal son, I think it's very important for everybody, as I said, to have a safe place to launch from and retreat to. And the father provided this for... The, the loyal son and even the son who was a wayward son and, and, and went away. But yet there's that, there, there's that safety and security that the sons are always welcomed in the father's house. And, and Jesus is always going to welcome us in his house. So with that being said, Robert, why don't you uh, tell us what your, what your thoughts are? Well, the, one of the things that comes to my mind is that, uh, I, you know, not that I want to sin, right? But I'm envious of the uh, the coin, <laughs> and I'm envious of the sheep that got lost, <laughs> and I'm envious of the the son who went away <laughs> and came back, because they actually got personal attention from our Lord, right, and from God, and sometimes when we're just going about our business and doing our religion and practicing our faith, um, we, we take it for granted, right? Yes. So I think that those who are falling away sometimes, right, classic AA programs and things like that where, uh, you know, you hit bottom and then you come back, that kind of thing, right? Those, those are the kind of people that that God is looking for. And um, like I said, I don't strive to be one of those people, but it's a blessing that God takes the individual and transforms them into something, right? Either takes that individual who's lost and brings them back into the fold or uh, 
treats them special because they um, because they're they are special. So that that was my takeaway. William, or? I'm sorry, before uh, uh, Bill starts, I wanted to let uh, uh, Phil and Robert know that that Zoom meeting is going to end in like nine minutes, but I'll start it up again right afterwards, so uh, it's just a limitation with Zoom right now. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. I want to say you guys are coming in crystal clear. Yeah. It really worked out well. William, you were going yeah. to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. What am I talking about? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that thing's been discussed how many times? Beaten <laughs> to death, <laughs> analyzed, overanalyzed, underanalyzed. I was uh, reading something this morning that because uh, like I didn't I didn't know what the word prodigal meant, and I was like, why is it called the prodigal son? <laughs> and uh, I guess it's in reference to when he leaves, he like you know wait. It's kind of like a. Uh, extravagantly wasteful or something like that so like he wasted the father's wealth and i read uh you know commentary saying that should be called the prodigal father because you know god's extravagantly you know giving away his love um it, it was uh charles dickens favorite story really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. priest saying that didn't know that well, what's a christmas carol about story redemption right yeah that's a beautiful story. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. That's been beaten to death, but <laughs> well, that's a beautiful story. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's not a novel. It's not long enough to be a novel. Novella, I think it's Novella. Yeah. yeah. 1843. Wow. Has the meaning changed? It's irrelevant. Yeah. Big time. Mr. Higgins, your thoughts? Well, I like what Phil was saying uh, about uh, repentance and uh, the Divine Mercy Chaplet. I was thinking about the uh, prodigal son, um, and just you know, and then and then um, Mark comes in with the prodigal father, which was just a, a kind of uh, lit a spark in my mind, because the son he really he doesn't. He doesn't really physically do anything to repent. I mean, other than being cast into uh, the lot of the swines and things like that. So the father, but he is repentant in his heart. And, you know, the father then has a, a feast for him. So that is really, um, and, and the repentance, uh, you know, when I think of repentance, I think of uh, uh, doing something active. Uh, to repay uh, for your sins, you know, whether it be some kind of suffering or mortification or something like that. Um, but the uh, self-imposed uh, mortification. But the prodigal son doesn't really have any self-imposed mortification. Um, and it, it, but his uh, salvation comes from God. You know, so there is nothing... Uh, that any one individual can do to repay for his sins, it's entirely up to uh, to God, because uh, he's the he's the one that forgives sins mm -hmm. and, and and justifies everybody. Yeah. So, sure. uh, just interesting. I really like that prodigal father idea. Sure, sure. that's a way to look at it. Thomas. I just have two quick thoughts. One relates to what Phil said earlier about uh, God, you know, 
bestowing mercy upon us um, every time we sin. And I thought about Father O'Donnell, who used to be the uh, director at Malvern Retreat House, and he runs Amigos de Jesus, which is an orphanage down in uh, Honduras. Uh, one of his sermons, and I heard him give this sermon at St. John's years ago, the fact that uh, if, if you have a part of your roof where you live, there's a hole in it, you can keep patching it up, which is really just us sinning over and over and over again, because every time you patch it up, the rain's going to come through eventually. Um, Put a band-aid. Yeah, just fix the darn thing. Just fix whatever your problems are, if you can, through God's help and mercy, um, whatever that sin might be, but just fix the darn thing. Um, that was the first thing that came to mind, right from his sermon, and the... Uh, the other thing is, I, I really wish that every single church on this planet was like the Father. Um, the, the, the Father in this in Correct. Yeah, in the parable. Uh, the fact that, I, I told Mark right before we started recording the podcast, uh, Malvern Retreat House in Malvern, Pennsylvania has the motto, Come as you are. And that would be so awesome if every church did that. Yes. And all are welcome. Mm. They, they say that and advertise that also. Come as you are and all are welcome. How cool would that be if um, yeah. if every church yeah. did that? I think more people would come back. But um, yeah. if if the church you belong to is not a reaching out church, in other words, if they're going to focus just on the people who go to church, which is not a very large number in most denominations throughout the country, then I think we as individuals and small groups have to do that. If our church we yeah. belong to is not doing it, so it's called being disciples of Christ, right? Yeah. If the church really has, as, it, as its fundamental core, it has the all are welcome uh, it does. ethos uh, because it has confession. Yeah. That's, that's right. I mean, it's part of the institution. Uh, but few people believe in the efficacy and necessity of confession. And it's the, that's the church's fault because the church doesn't emphasize that. On my way to Florida, I stopped at a parish in, uh, it was a Sunday, so we went to Mass somewhere in South Carolina, and I grabbed a bulletin on my way out. It was a very welcoming church. We spent 20 minutes after Mass uh, celebrating people who had an anniversary, people who were in from out of town and things like that. But I took a bulletin. And the bulletin had everything you'd expect in it about what the mass times were, what to do if you're getting married, if you need a baptism, but zero about confession. So it's like if I wanted, if I lived in this parish and I wanted to go to confession, I couldn't just look at. I'd have to. What do I do? I have to call yeah. a priest, and he has yeah. to give me a personal confession. So this is also missed in our church, you know. Yeah. And we don't really get too much encouragement from the clergy to take every last bit of advantage of confession as we possibly can, because we all need it. And it's the, it, it's, yeah. the, it's the absolute core of this gospel message today. Yeah. And the thing is, if you keep going with what I said and what you said, Steve, is the fact that if you look at the, I mean, the, the priest can only focus, I think, to a certain extent, on the people who actually go. So, yeah. Catholic Church numbers say in this country is between 10 and 20 percent. Um, my point, which I was referring to before, is is the reaching out to the yeah 
90 to or you know 80 to 90 percent don't even go but you're right i think part of it should be us in terms of parents friends you know whatever you want to call each one of us to reach out to our brothers and anybody else about the tenets of the Catholic Hold on. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm gonna have to restart this uh, Zoom meeting. It's gonna it's gonna stop. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, stop it and then start it again so you guys can join back in. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Sure. Um, but I did have something to say. That's the one you gave me. Oh, I gave you that one. Yeah. Yeah. Keep what what were you guys saying? Give back. No, 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 no. I was gonna. I love it. No one, you know, always write dates on them. <laughs> Date. June 15th, 19, so three years oh ago. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. What was that? I was, was, oh. was going to say that um, uh, it's funny, both points that Tom and Steve were mentioning remind me, you know, there's a Lutheran church on the corner there on, on Big Oak Road, okay. and right now the sign says, says, come as you are, and, right. then, and then it says, you can change inside. Yes. That's wow. Right. Um, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, sorry. Right. I like it. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 And, and because it's really to, you know, the come as you are part, but then also the change inside is also, it's like, it is an internal change yeah, that, you, right. that you make. Nice. Keith, could you go to the books? Okay. See, because I'm, I'm really interested <laughs> to see now what uh, a, a documented explanation would be about you know these parables okay yeah and i know you need time to do that so in the meantime phil are you still with us i'm i'm here okay, uh, okay. and in uh robert uh looks like he hasn't joined back yet oh uh, he hasn't joined back in yet uh phil more follow-up what uh i actually okay, i just want to yeah i just want to go back to the confession thing um a, a little while back uh uh, Tom had asked for some ideas in terms of uh, what we could do or what, just sort of, a, you know, throw ideas up on the wall to see what, what uh, we could do to, to make our church more welcoming and more inviting to bring back people who have not, who wandered off. Um, and uh, I have thought of, I don't know, I, I, it sounds blasphemous, I guess, but uh, like a group confession I mean, I'm imaging sort of an invite for people who have wandered off, an invite to come to a, um, I'm going to call it a group confession. I, I don't have the right words for it, but to bring people together and have the priest walk us, walk us, walk people through a, a confession, you know, so that the priest might prompt what sins you might have had, um, and um, at the end of the day, or at the end of the, at the end of the exercise, do a public uh, confession, a public reconciliation. But sometimes people have uh, a problem with confession going. So um, you know, um, you know whether it's shame, whether it's just the difficulty of talking to a priest or whatever. Um, and, um, because I have that problem, I mean, I'm not a great, um, I'm not really keen on confessions. Um, it's just a very strange, um, uh, I don't know, maybe psychological thing for me. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't want to call it a post-traumatic thing, but, um, you know, I've had some confessions that I didn't think were really good, mm -hmm. but, um, so to have a priest prompt for the sin, 
and then do it a, a kind of like a again a group confession, a sort of a start over, um, you know, clean the slate and begin again. Um, sometimes people need that, and I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if it's doable. I don't know if it's scriptural. Uh, but just a thought. Um, so in the absence of doing that, then we have to give that, as Tom said, sort of that, that one-on-one, or even if the priest, in, um, in, uh, as part of a homily, to talk about repentance and confession um, and, uh, you know, what goes on, how it's done, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's not appropriate, homily after a gospel, but um, how wonderful this gospel is to talk about repentance and talk about confession, talk about redemption. Um, so out of the uh, three, uh, eight, out of the three stories, out of the three parables, probably the coin is uh, one that kind of doesn't fit that in terms of um, uh, of repentance, but certainly redemption. I know that I've lost car keys. At least I think I've lost car keys. And I say, you know, I, I know what well, we pray to St. Anthony for, for those things. But anyway, you say a prayer and, I, you know, instead of going crazy and uh, tear up the house, to say a, a small prayer like, help me find it. And, you know, and sure enough, you know, I, I perhaps at the end of the day you would find it. But to me, I say a little prayer and, you know, all of a sudden, boom, my heart has calmed down a little bit. And my keys show up. My wallet shows up. Yeah, I, I but that. anyway, um, just, just a thought on uh, confession and repentance. Uh, I know that uh, Billy Graham did his uh, ministry with the, uh, you know, with the mem of Come As You Are, and he sort of did a public confession. So you had all the people coming up. The problem with that is that Billy Graham does not have any apostolic authority to... No, I understand. Uh, no no, well, that's my point. But that's reason. my point. But yeah. you can see how people reacted to come as you are. You know, and his, his uh, you know, his, uh, I don't know, part of his, uh, part of his ministry was to say a prayer of penance, of redemption. You know, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that sort of thing. And I realize that I'm, I'm going into this difficult territory. But, um, you know, I think the issue is to save souls, you know, and to give out a message of, um, of, of repentance and forgiveness. Phil, to keep on going with what you just said, um, I, I think every church needs to offer different items, whatever you want to call them, uh, to bring people back. One is what you're talking about. Um, I have a whole list of faith formation ideas. Uh, one would be, and some pastors would not be comfortable with this, but it depends on the topic. It would be, uh, I've titled it, Ask a Priest Night. And so your pastor shows up, anybody who wants to, to show up can go. It's only for an hour, um, but you would know the topic ahead of time. You could do that throughout the year, maybe once a month. Uh, September could be, like you're saying, confession. And then October can be communion, you know, the Eucharist. And you keep on going. Right. 
And so the That'd priests can tell idea. you directly what those are all about. But the only thing is you're reaching the people who get the advertisements in terms of in terms of that. Um, but there's so many more yeah, things you can do in terms of learning about our faith. You're right. Well, I, I mean, how does I? I mean, again, I don't want to use Billy Graham as my uh, as a model, but Billy Graham had his. Um, uh, I, I I don't know how he did it in the beginning. Uh, you know, what you, you pitch a um, a sign up uh, somewhere and says, you know, come as you are, meeting um, to discuss confession or. Um, you know, what happens in confession, uh, what transpires in confession, uh, meeting the challenge of preparing yourself for confession. Well, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how to do that, but, I, you know, I think the thinking was to do a mass mailing to, um, to all church members. But I think that that was a prob problematic in terms of, um, of the uh, emails. But I, I, you know, I don't know. But just a thought. I mean, how do you give that message out? There are a lot of people out there that are suffering. Yeah, um, this is reminding me of something I heard on Catholic Answers Live earlier this week. Um, you know, someone called in uh, and was kind of asking about a teaching of the church. And one of the teachings of the church is that you know we can't come back without God's grace. Like He has to give us the grace of uh, to be able to you know realize you know, the kind of the grace of repent repentance. And so. Uh, in this, in the prodigal son, you know, the father let the guy go off and 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 do bad stuff until he hit the bottom point, and 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 it's kind of like and, and and it was somehow the father knew uh, his in, interior heart, his like his you know, the true repentance he had, and and that's what people need to have. So you could have like a a communal service where you instruct people, you know, to to, to be repentant, but they have to actually be repentant and, and to, yeah, to take root. And, and, and everyone's at different points in, in, and, and when that happens to them. And I, I do think that there's not, so like, I think in, in Billy Graham's case, God is working through Billy Graham, you know, so it was God's That's grace right. through, through, through Billy Graham, reaching people at the right moment at their times and stuff. And so I don't think it's something that like we can will to, uh, to do, but yeah, we, you know, uh, you know, Pray uh, for it and to be cooperative with, with God's grace uh, to do that. Um, was it, yeah. Hey Phil, I'm thinking about something else in, in relation to what Keith just said. Um, when Keith was speaking, I was listening to him, but I was putting myself next to the swine pen where the sun was. And I'm thinking, is it better, and I'm comparing that to our society today. So let's say you're that person. If you guys can all picture yourselves in that swine pen, nobody's around, you're down and out, nothing's going right, et cetera, et cetera. Is it better that you're there by yourself? Or is it better that Tom or Keith or Steve or somebody comes up, sticks out your hand to you in the swine pen and says, listen, God is here for you. I can help you along with him to, to help you with whatever you need help with. So is it better you're there by yourself the whole time, which he was? But I think in our society, I think we need people like us and others to go out and reach out that hand and get back to the motto of come as you are, 
all are welcome. So I think that helps. God works through us to get yeah, to those people does. down and out. I mean, I've, I've been the, I, I, I have been the prodigal son. I know. And so I was thinking about... Um, Did anybody reach out to you? Well, the, so I, 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 I was, uh, <laughs> and my conversion was, I, I was all by myself uh, in uh, like Western Maryland and I, and, and as an alcoholic, I, and, but uh, what brought me back was remembering all the people who had, who had you know, mm. po pointed in the right direction. Nice. So it, was, it wasn't like someone being with me at that time, but it was a bunch of people over a period of time uh, having shown me the way, and then something clicked, and I was like, that's the way to go. I like, and, 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 yeah, nice. And, uh, and I do remember my, my brother had multiple times talked to me about going to confession mm -hmm. and, and, and had wanted me to go to confession. And, and then when I, uh, when I came back home after this, uh, and he brought it up again. I was like, "Yeah, I'm ready to go to confession." It was like, you know, the, the next couple of days afterwards. So he had planted the seed repeatedly, yeah. and uh, and and you know, it did somewhere in me. I I I had that seed, but there was a specific moment when it like germinated and stuff. Yeah. But I'm thinking, what if you were in that situation and nobody reached out to you? Would you even be here today? Yeah. It's possible you might not. Well, what about the alcoholic who has nobody reach out? I'm and they pretty kill sure themselves. Did, yeah. You know, I think it's better that somebody reaches out to What we're talking help. about yeah. is is the is is really the the whole problem with what's going on. It it's not the the lack of outreach or or the style of outreach or anything like that, because the church is there with all these. If if you're the prodigal son and you know what the church is all about, and you reach that swine pen. You know where to go. You know where to go. The problem is nobody knows. Keith knew that stuff in his heart because he, you, you had some knowledge of the Catholic Church and what the Catholic. I also had knowledge of the Catholic, so I knew where to go when yeah. I fell. People don't know where to go now. Okay, they don't. They don't. They have no. Uh, they, they didn't have. Uh, a, a good uh, catechesis, you know, they don't know any of this stuff, okay? So if you reach out to them, it's, they're, they're going to give you a blank stare most of the time. So this, this I, I think, is, is the big problem. In our, it, it's a cultural problem, not a stylistic problem within the church, you know? The church has the sacraments. Nobody knows it. Nobody cares what a sacrament is. That that's the problem with our our declining membership. I'll, yeah. I'll give you a real life example. Um, I was in a meeting where our leader, our supposed shepherd, said we're going to focus on people who just go to church, word for word. I'm like, was that just said? And so that leaves out the other eighty five percent who don't go. So yeah, I kind of I got turned off. Sick. They don't they don't have to go to a doctor. <laughs> well, that's what it says yeah, in scripture, yeah, right? Yeah, well, if they, they think you're not sick. So when I heard that from the leader of our church, I'm like, okay, I'll do what I can personally and with you guys to reach out to help others. So in that sense, you know, our, I just don't get well, it. Our Protestant friend Billy Graham is is better than many of our priests in terms of bringing people to this, uh, you know, to repentance and and to, to faith. I, I, yeah, I mean, I still, I still think of it as the Holy Spirit working through other people because, like, I would like to be able to, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, ha, you know, be like Jesus and help everyone, you know, uh, come to repentance. But I don't like, you know, I, without God's grace, I'm not going to be able to do it. I feel like, you know, so I did sign up for this street evangelization and I haven't done it in like, you know, a couple of years now. And, uh, and yeah, I'm ready to go. Just one, right? <laughs> you only did it once. Yeah, I think I did it twice. But, yeah. <laughs> well, it's the second one. Yeah, but uh, but like I, I don't know. Like there, there are ways that people evangelize just by like living their lives and, sure. and being witnesses, and that's what was effective for me in my uh, reversion. And so, like. Uh, unless I receive grace from God to be able to do it in another way, that's the only way I'm doing it right now. Here, here's a really neat example. I learned this through Dynamic Catholic uh, a couple years ago. It's a story from Matthew Kelly who founded Dynamic Catholic. He said there's this one woman who, I guess, the teen there knows, and she was homebound, so what do you do? She literally purchased hundreds of books, and every day she writes a letter to even people she doesn't know, and she sends a book and letter to somebody. I'm like, are you kidding? That's awesome. Yeah. So she's confined to her home, right. can't leave um, for whatever reason or reasons, but um, that's how she figured out she can evangelize, like you're saying. There's so many ways to evangelize. Yeah, your example of, of this priest who said, we're only going to focus on the parish. Yeah, it, you know, Just the people go to church. On the face of it, that, yeah. that's, that's a horrible statement, right? And, and it is. But then on the other hand, how often do we see the, the priests who, who abandon their own flock, okay? They, they, this, uh, remember the Covington kid down in Washington, D.C., who was just, all he did was stand there while this, he was trying, he was trying to be agitated into a, a reaction, and his own bishop threw him under the bus. As the principal of his school uh, was getting ready to expel him. I don't know if he was actually expelled. But it's true that the, 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 the bishops... And the priests, they do have a duty to their flock. And, but that doesn't mean, I don't know if this priest was saying, you know, we don't care about anybody else out there. We don't, if he's saying we don't care about evangelization, then he's totally in error. Or we don't care about uh, feeding the hungry. That's mm -hmm. totally erroneous. You have to, we have to do that as Christians. That, you have to do that for your flock, right? I you totally agree. Ask, ask the guys here belong to St. John's. Uh, what evangelization programs are in place? Uh, what welcoming programs are in place? What faith formation is in place? Let them answer it. They, they can tell you even more about it. You can sense my frustration about but I just work with you guys and myself to reach out to others. You're mentioning, the, you're talking about the kid that was at the pro-life rally, right? Yeah. Had the smug look on his face. Yeah, he had explained he, himself the next well, day on like, Good a, Morning America. Well, how's he supposed to look? You know, yeah. what are you going to yeah. do when yeah. you have uh, this guy banging a drum in front of your face. Yeah. And, you know, he, was he trying to give a smug look? No. I, he was just he was at a pro-life route. Yeah. Okay. And he was set up to, to, to look bad. And his bishop and the principal of the school bought into the the the, the media narrative. Right. And they threw him under the bus. They threw yep. him under the bus. And he's, and after all, smug look or no smug look. He's a freaking kid, okay? <laughs> right. He's just a yeah. kid, yeah. you know? And nobody stood up for him. You remember that, Phil? Oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Right, spot on. Spot on. But it's part uh, of the corruption of our society because they'll take a, uh, a snapshot of you 
and then build a narrative, a story, and then shut you down and destroy you. And I mean, that's what the devil does, you know, in terms of the sin. And, you know, so you commit a sin, and, and then the devil just piles it on you. They're so afraid you know, of this third grade, and they're so afraid of how they're going to look, that they cave, that too. and they have yeah. no guts. No True. guts. Uh, yeah. Not all of them, many of them. Some of them have yeah. plenty of guts. Yeah, well, that's vanity and pride at work. Well, because uh, I'm just gonna—I was gonna read um, two two commentaries on this gospel. One related to the themes that we've been talking about, um, uh, and and here's one of the commentaries that says, um, you know, quoting from the Gospels as well. He was still a long way off. His father caught sight of him. Uh, so God never stops hoping that we will come to Him. He has his yeah. eyes on us all the time, not to pounce on us when we mess up, but to run to us, embrace us, kiss us, and clothe us with the robe of his grace and the sandals of divine sonship. Servants went barefoot in ancient households, but family members wore sandals. The devil likes to make us forget about this, especially when we, need most, when we most need to remember it. Let's not give him that pleasure. We can also please the Father by going in search of our prodigal brothers and sisters. The rebellious son abandons his father, and his father respects that. He won't go out and try to force his son to come back home. But if the older brother had really cared for his, had really cared for both his father and his younger sibling, he could have made a trek or two in, in search of the unfortunate youth. We can imagine the conversation they would have had at the pig farm. The older brother. We miss you, and we would love for you to come back, the younger brother. But how can I? What I did was so horrible. Don't worry. Just come back. Trust me. We'll work it out. You don't have to stay here eating corn husks. How many lost and sorrowful younger brothers are all around us? If only we would open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts to see them. And how easy it would be to invite them back to the Father's house, if only we could see beyond our self-centered preoccupations. So that, that commentary really echoes what uh, you know, Phil and, and Tom and, and Steve were talking about in, in terms of, it even used the exact thing Tom was talking about, as, uh, being at the pig trough with, with, the, uh, oh, yeah. with the brother. Um, right there with him, brother. But the, the, like it's open your eyes, it said. Yeah. Like, us, all of us have to do that. Yeah. Open our eyes and just try, try to do something for work. And then, and then here's another uh, kind of technical commentary. Uh, and this is what I was mentioning earlier about uh, being the prodigal father. It says, um, nothing parallel to this wonderful parable in any of the other Gospels. Uh, Lagrange notes that the traditional title is too restricted. It's been well said that a better title would be the prodigal father, who was as reckless in loving as the son was in spending. In this parable, which no mortal would have dared to invent, our Lord reveals the very heart of God in order to inspire the sinner with confidence to approach him. It is not now a question of one out of a hundred, or even one out of ten, but one of two, and these two the only sons of a loving father. The contrasts are striking. The younger son and spoilt child, little sensible of the father's love, almost impatient for the father's death so that he may receive the inheritance, departing as soon as he got his desire. 
The following details are masterly. Loss of money, a great famine, absolute want, a Jewish hireling under a Gentile master in a far country, a feeder of swine, a Jew in a pigsty with his head almost in the pig trough. In the allegorization of the parable, these details provide a powerful picture of the sad state to which the sinner is reduced when he departs from his heavenly father. At last, his eyes are open to realize his situation. As the gospel insists, the true basis of penance or repentance is the sincere admission of sinfulness with the determination to destroy sin by returning to God. The suggestion of the parable is clear. All the time that the son has forgotten the father, the father has not forgotten his son, but has looked out daily for him, for his returning with longing. Hence he seeks him when he was yet a great way off. Unlike the Pharisees, he is waiting with love and compassion to make the first move towards reconciliation. The erring son is not allowed to finish the confession he has prepared. There can be no question of his being taken back as a hireling. He is restored immediately to the dignity of a son. And lest he be disgraced before the household by his rags and destitution, the father quickly orders a robe of the first quality, a ring for his finger, shoes for his feet, complete all and bring us back to the thought of the messianic great supper a feast of the best is prepared with music and singing this echoes the joy of god and the angels in the two previous parables the sudden contrast here now appears over against the loving enthusiasm of the father the unfeeling coldness of the other son we return to the pharisees complaint uh, here's the true description of God's regard for the just. Son, you are always with me, and all I have is yours. The conclusion in, is essentially the same as that of the two former parables. It was long the fashion to regard this parable as an allegory of the Jews and the Gentile sinners, the, uh, the older and younger son. The younger son does not represent the sinner. He is the sinner. Some again regard the elder son as representing the real, the real just, others as hypocritical just. Uh, that's all right. Yeah. I don't know. I thought there was some interesting commentary there. That one was more technical, kind of going verse by verse and symbol by symbol on it. Uh, yeah, I see. Uh, maybe the older brother represents uh, justice without mercy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that very well could be very hard on his younger brother, sure. Robert, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. Robert, we're well, good, good good to hear from you, buddy. Come on, let's uh please comment. No, I'm listening. I think you're doing great. So I'm just listening. Fine, uh, keep uh, going. Well, okay, from what you've uh, the, the reading that Keith just went over, what's your what's your comment? I think that uh that it that it makes sense. I mean, um, I really can't add to it. I think yeah, I think that uh, yeah, that was a good commentary. It's a good synopsis. <laughs> Mark, Mark, I'm concerned about you. Stop going to church. No, I, I was going to different masses. Okay. I have to go to urgent care tomorrow morning. I, I'm having some problems actually, so that, that's uh, that's just a needle in the haystack. Uh, Again, again, you know the the parables broken up, and I and I reiterate the the 
the starfish parallel that Tom talks about, that one starfish that you help, that one coin that you find, that one sheep that you find, and that's a start for, for, for everything. And then, again, with the parable of, of the, as Steve had said, he's identified like a prodigal father also, that you have a yeah. safe place to uh, launch from and, more importantly, retreat to when things really are, are tough. And, and it, was, it was a blessing that even though the, the younger son went out and he was with the pigs in the trough, that he had a place to retreat to and come back to. And how many people out there don't have that? Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's, a, there's a number of people out there that don't have that. And it, it'd be great if the church could somehow take, find a way to take them back in, to guide them back in yeah. to, a, to, 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 to a safe, secure place. Yeah, I, related to that, and, and Robert had mentioned earlier about, um, like, you know, having that kind of one-on-one -on -one time with God, how, like, you know, the lost sheep and the lost people. Uh, and I was thinking, when he was saying that, and it just reminded me of, again, was, uh, uh, you know, I think we're real blessed to have, like, uh, adoration, uh, because you can just go into the chapel anytime during the day, and, and it is kind of like one-on-one -on -one time with God. And, uh, yeah, so I would say, you know, Robert, if you're ever feeling like that, if you can, if you can find a chapel where, where uh, there's, like, you know, adoration where there's not many people, and you can you can kind of experience that, or you go to mass like early and and yeah, and just sit there. Yeah, I want to give you a personal experience. I don't know why, I don't know why, but um, woke up in the middle of the night with a with anxiety, and you know it's it's funny what the anxiety was about. The anxiety was about um, that my prayer life has not been as good as it should be. And when I have a prayer life, I tend to say two prayers, the Hail Mary and the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, right? So I was thinking about that. And, and um, I have a, a personal relationship with Mary. I, I talk to her a lot of times personally, but I don't have that with Jesus which was really annoying me, which is why I woke up. And um, so then I started to pray and talk to him. And that song, um, What a Friend I Have in Jesus, came into my head. And, and I was starting to sing that in my head while I was trying to go back to sleep. I just thought it was interesting that... Um, I have to keep reminding myself that he is there for me in a personal relationship and he exists as someone who as if he's right in the room can hear exactly what I'm saying and he can talk to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just um, I think this all fits in with it and I didn't know this was today's gospel but or tomorrow's gospel, but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think uh, I don't know. I just wanted to share that with you. It's just, just weird. Yeah. So well, I got to commit myself to to um, having more conversational prayer with Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. I think that's hugely important. 
Yeah, I'm sorry, we're, uh, we're running out of time here, so uh, is it all right if we uh, uh, wrap it up now? Yeah, can we just go around and uh, make a special intentions? Uh, mine is going to be for you, Robert, that uh, you find some peace there, buddy, because I know what it's like to be very anxious every day and every night. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you on that. Thank you. I'll continue to pray for Connie and her cancer. And uh, let's pray for my brother who was diagnosed the other day with uh, fourth stage liver cancer. Wow. <laughs> What's his name, Bill? His name is Mike. He's in Iowa. And his name, Mike? Mike. Okay. My, my other brother's there right now visiting him with his wife. Yeah, along the same lines, um, I'm trying to pray for several people every day um, who are going through cancer, different parts of their body. Mark, my mom, and my one daughter is engaged. It's, um, it's my daughter's fiance's mom, so the three of them. And also, I don't know if I, I didn't tell you guys today, but uh, my daughter, Christina, who um, she has a friend, long story short, um, they were to get married a few weeks ago. They, they canceled the wedding. Uh, they're both in their 20s. Um, he has something wrong with his heart, and they can't figure it out. Um, a machine is keeping him alert every day. Uh, he's on the heart transplant list, and I just don't, I don't know. I sometimes don't get it. Um, I don't know. It's hard. dementia and everybody who has dementia um, and uh, and for conversions always pray for conversions I just have a bunch of personal intentions okay very good uh, Philip yeah I, again uh, my brother is now in, uh, in the 13th month of his hospitalization and uh, uh, there's a story behind it and dynamic behind it. Uh, just pray for him that, um, uh, you know, I, I just trust in Christ. I, I, and I, you know, and uh, I, again, um, I, I, turn over, I turned him over to Jesus Christ and uh, he's sovereign. Um, you know, I could pray for a miracle. I don't see a miracle coming. Um, I don't understand or discern why why he's 13 months in you know in a semi coma um, uh, with infections and a whole slew of things going on, but keeps on breathing. Um, the household joke is that he ate a lot of also buco and made his body strong, but um, also, buco is an Italian dish, um, but you know, it's a different story. But anyway, um, you know, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, he keeps on going uh, like an Energizer bunny, uh, but in a state that you and I would say is um, not fulfilling. But yet at the same time, I'm praying and I'm hoping that as, as we are all referencing that he has a relationship with Jesus um, because otherwise, you know, I, 
I don't see the redemption there. Um, you know, so anyway. About so 30, my brother, we have about 30 and, seconds uh, left. And my wife who struggles with lupus. All right. Thank you. Thank you all. We have final prayer, Keith. Okay, well, let's just take the prayer offline, I guess. Okay. All right, uh, God bless you guys. We'll see you later. Thank you for attending. Good move, right, Robert, you. with your daughter this morning, today, Queens. A hard yes, thanks. I appreciate it. Keep her in your prayers. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, yeah. guys. Bye. Okay, bye now.